You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Good morning, everybody. What a wonderful day we stand in. And I don't mean just today, I mean the season that we're in. Uh, Thank you for joining us today at church. And can you help me this morning, everybody in KL, by welcoming everybody in Singapore right now in the Capitol Theater. Pastor Andrew and the family there, happy Father's Day to all of you there, and everybody in Kodi Kinabalu as well, they're joining us today. Great to see you guys, and uh, before, before you take your seats, uh, if we could stand in every venue, I'd love to pray. Father, you're our Father. There is no orphan unless we choose to be because God you're present you're omnipresent you're very present you're very invested and God your love and your heart is the model and the template from which any of us can ever learn and grow and I thank you Father that today from the youngest person in the auditorium to the oldest we're all children before you We're all sons and daughters before we're anything else. So Father, I thank you that every day is a happy Father's Day because you're our Father. And you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're always there. You've been been there for every person in the hardest times and in the greatest times. And Father, I pray for people today where today is more of a sad day because of circumstances. I just pray that you would be so present in their world and you'd comfort their reality and they would know that they are not alone even on a day like this. And Father, I thank you that today your wonderful covering would be across this word. Be in the Capitol Theater now. Be in the Convention Center right now. Be in KK in our home there right now. And I thank you that online and wherever people are watching, your word would reach its destination, that it will not return void, but it will accomplish what you purpose, and it will prosper for the purpose for which it was sent. Thank you that there's no eye that has seen, that has no ear that has heard, there's no mind that has conceived what you are able to do, that you are exceedingly abundantly and above and beyond all we could ask, think, or imagine. God, that we're not without hope because you're present. So Father, even now, minister to every person. Just open your heart to the Lord right now. Just open your heart to the Lord. your name he cares about the hair on your head he loves you tenderly and dearly Father I thank you for all that you're going to do today in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen you may be seated smile at the person next to you give them a high five or a hug or whatever 
you want to do. And to everyone in Singapore, I'll be there next week in the Capital Theatre, which is going to be really cool. Uh, we've got a few of, the, few of our team coming with us as well. That's going to be great. And, um, we, and yeah, Miracle Offering is two weeks, in case you haven't been paying attention in the last 25 minutes. Um, and, and we just got back. If you're wondering why my voice is a little hoarse, we just got back from a five-day tour of... We went to Ipoh, Penang, Kota Kinabalu, then Kuching, and then we ended up in JB last. And uh, we had a great time. I don't know if you realize, but the last time we did something like that, we just looked for some sort of venue and hoped people would turn up. This week, uh, we went into five of our own hubs where we have facilities. Just three years later... And we had a great time, and I believe we even have a little highlight video. Would you like to see that? Okay, I think it's, it just captures a little bit of what happened. Powerful encounters. We just had amazing praise and worship. The team was incredible. The church was so responsive. People came from all over those cities, and uh, it was a great time. So let, let's check it out, and, uh, and then I'll get into the Word. Luke chapter 16. I want to read a parable that Jesus told. Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. You know, it's, you can feel the shift in the room every time the Miracle Offering videos played, the minute they start talking about, I don't know what the line is, but it's something about we won't f- serve mammon. And, and this is a prophetic declaration that we, this is not just a tip. This is something that we are after. Because do you realize we could say we have a god birth passion and a god birth conviction, and we can say all of that. And that is absolutely true. But there is something that we are after that goes way beyond just a few causes um, the, there, there is a good God who loves you and he's your father but there's a bad devil who hates you and he's not and he, he will do whatever he can to induce you and I into a so to speak a coma of indifference and, and it can affect us and yet today I believe the Holy Spirit wants to wake us up and move us out because Father has plans for His kids. He has purpose for every one of you, and you're not here by chance. So thank you for joining us. Here's the story Jesus read in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. It says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. He ate a lot. He's definitely from Malaysia, maybe Singapore. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. I want you to pay attention to that. This guy Lazarus is a poor beggar and he's at the gate of this rich man's house who eats a lot, clothed in purple and fine linen. This man Lazarus was desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Death is a great equalizer. It'll eventually turn up and then the difference between the rich man and the poor man is not much. In life, yes. In death, no. And here's what happens, verse 23. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried, 
Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house by five brothers that he may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> In today's society, there's a lot of well-documented problems with alcoholism, drugs, addictions, disorders. But I believe there resides a silent drug it's a silent addiction that we don't really speak about, but I'll be as honest as and fatly as I can. If we don't deal with it, according to this parable, there's eternal ramifications. It's more addictive than alcohol, more subtle than speed, more common than cocaine, more hidden than heroin. I want to speak to you for a few minutes about the drug of comfort. The drug of comfort. So, the drug of comfort. See, listen, this story is interesting. You can't extrapolate too much from this. The rich, all we know is there's a rich guy in life, a poor guy in life. The poor guy lives at the rich guy's gate. Then we don't know anything about their life. They die. And the rich guy ends up in hell. The poor guy ends up in heaven. I, I need you to understand something. It, you cannot extrapolate from that that rich people go to hell and poor people go to heaven. Your eternal destination is not determined by how much wealth you have, but by your faith in Christ. Because we are saved by grace through faith. And, and, and wealth is relative. No matter how wealthy you are in the room, it's nothing compared to what heaven's like. No matter how righteous you are in this room, it's filthy rags compared to God's standard. So it's all relative. So we don't know much about their lives. All we know from the parable is that the rich guy ends up in hell. The poor guy ends up in heaven. I prefer to think of it this way. The guy in comfort here ends up in discomfort there. And the guy in discomfort here ends up in comfort there. And so the point of this story is not to extrapolate a conclusion about salvation, but the contrast of two lives and two eternal realms 
in the hopes it would teach us whatever Jesus wanted us to learn. When I talk about the drug of comfort, you don't have to inject this drug in. You just breathe it in. It's all around us. It consumes our world and we're influenced by its effects, often unaware by its impact. And let me just get one thing really clear. I don't know anybody in the room, if you're really honest, me included, I'd rather do things in comfort than not. I prefer a comfortable car than an uncomfortable one. And everybody who's ever driven a control said, I prefer a comfortable chair than an uncomfortable chair. Right? It's, it's normal. It's not, you're, not, you're not looking to live uncomfortable lives as if it's some form of piety. You know, I, I prefer a comfortable house than an uncomfortable house. See, the issue is, it's not what we do in comfort that's the problem. It's what comfort does in us that's the problem. The effect of comfort in us. It's a drug that's in us. It's not that you can't do things in comfort. Um, the rich man in this parable, we know he had a good life, but he was unaware of the desensitization that was probably happening in him that only became real when he went to the other side. And I guess comfort, like any drug, is addictive, but I just want to touch on two side effects for a second. I've been under general anesthetic four times. Anyone ever been under surgery? Yeah. So that, 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 that feeling uh, of, of coming out of the drug, the, you're sort of, you're coming out of it. It's, it's, an, it's, it's an interesting feeling. If you say things you don't mean, you do things, you know, I mean, at the times I remember, here's a couple of things that happen. When you're under the stupor, or the influence of breathing in any kind of drug, but specifically the drug of comfort. First thing it does is it dulls your responsiveness. You know, every, every time you come out of anesthetic, you recognize, but you don't necessarily respond. Hey. Even more loving. Ah, I love you. Is this the effect? And, and it dulls our responsiveness. And it's so easy to live in a world where we recognize, but we don't respond. And maybe the effect of that is that we are breathing in something that we don't realize is starting to affect us. See, the rich man, think about this, he recognized Lazarus. But he never responded to him on earth. And how do we know he recognized him? Because when he, was, when he lost his comfort, when he was out of the drug of comfort, Lazarus Father send Lazarus Oh you know my name Wow I was at your gate the whole life So he, rest, he recognized him He just never responded to him You know Let's make sure we know Become believers who recognize But don't respond Wow nice miracle offering had Recognize the need Recognize what God's doing We, we, we see You know that Jesus told a parable of two sons and the father said, will you go? One said yes and didn't. Recognized but didn't respond. Second one actually responded and the point is he did the will of the father. You know, I thought about it. You've heard of the phrase comfort zone. Nobody in Singapore has comfort zones. They work really hard there. And they're just, they're cheering right now very silently. A comfort zone is a place you don't really want to leave. It's, a, it's an armchair that sharpens your recognition but dulls your response. It's this space in life where you become really good experts at pointing out what's wrong with everything else. 
but you don't want to leave that place. And, and, and growth is in your comfort zone. Often there's grace outside your comfort zone, but, but we like it because it's comfort. And here's the danger that I've had to watch in my own life. If, if comfort gets into your walk with God, if, it come, if, the, if the drug of comfort gets into your worship, if the drug of comfort gets into your relationships, the drug of comfort gets into your church or your business or your studies, it, it, the, the, the offspring is procrastination, indifference, apathy, laziness, whatever. And, and I have to check in my own heart. I have to do an audit periodically in your God. Is it, is it affecting me? Is it, is it getting to me? Um, this five to city tour was a lot of fun. It was nonstop, ongoing. And, and every now and then you like to put yourself in a place where okay God I don't want this thing to settle so wonderfully in my heart that I've lost sight I've lost touch um, you know comfort can so slow down your response that Abraham said that even a man rising from the dead will not penetrate the stupor the cloud that the drug of comfort has created around your family that's how dulling it can be. And the rich man begged Abraham, said, they, they won't listen. And he said, oh, you got Abraham, you got Moses and the prophets. He said, we, didn't, we, need, we, don't need, we need something more spectacular. We need a more spectacular program, a more spectacular vision, a more spectacular something. Send someone from the dead. And Abraham's like, when they are so under the drug, even if someone rises from the dead, they won't. And he was also speaking prophetically about the fact that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Because a man did rise from the dead. They didn't listen. He came to us as man, very nature God. Bruised for our iniquities. Hung upon a cross. God exalted him, raised him from the dead. And people still found a way to reject him. Such is the impact this thing can have on us. It dulls your responsiveness. Can I hear an Amen. Some people are so drugged, you can't even say amen. I just wish they turned the air conditioning a little nicer. Can't they get a bit more padding on the chairs? And can John just play a bit more comforting music? Uh, now I'm at church. We don't need to go back to hard pews, but uh, sometimes I think it's not a bad idea. You know, there are people who worship God in all sorts of circumstances. And when comforts are removed, often their hunger is greater. Their desire is greater. Their response is greater. Their passion is greater. Their fire is greater. They're, all of us have things that can stop us, but I really believe that this is something that as a church we're going to break out of not just because it's miracle offering but in life you can be poor and still live under the drug of comfort here's the second thing it does it dulls the urgency of time it dulls your responsiveness but it dulls your urgency of time do you know again I can only speak for me when I came out of general anesthetic time flies it's like oh what's the time oh, yeah. wow. it's like it's just, it's just a wonderful feeling. You know, it, when you live in comfort, hours 
and weeks and days and months can fly by without purpose prodding you, fruitfulness driving you. And yet the scripture is clear. Today is the day of salvation. Don't say four months and then the harvest. He says, lift up your eyes and look. The fields, they're ready. They're white now. Now is the time to serve. Now is the time to give. Now is the time. There's no better time than now. Remember at the age of 26 when the Lord spoke to me about giving up my career. My God, that is not, you know, surely you wait till you make enough money, got enough savings, and then as a 60-year-old, I'll go to the mission field and serve you somewhere. Just sounds like a wiser plan. But there's a now thing about it. I don't mean impulsive. I don't mean do things irresponsibly. But I didn't want to be under the drug of comfort. But Lord, how is this going to work? I don't know. But all I know is there's no better time than the Holy Spirit to speak to me now. For God to touch my heart now. Now's the time to give. Now's the time to forgive. People are like, oh, yeah, one day I'll deal with that issue. One day I'll deal with... I've just seen too many funerals with relatives draping over coffins, crying tears of regret because they didn't have a now moment. Now's the time to serve. Oh, one day when I'm, when I'm saved up, when I'm cashed up, and the kids are grown up, we're all fed up. There's no time like now. And, and I'm not here to recruit anybody for anything. I'm here to say, just check. Are you breathing in this drug and not even realizing it? Because the, di- the time will come when we're out of it and then it might be too late. Now's the time to pray. Do you know the rich man found a prayer life, but it was too late. They said there's a gulf now. I think the prayer lives in hell are going to be pretty amazing. People who never prayed on earth will pray in hell. But it's too late. Why? Because now's the time to pray. Now's the time to forgive. Now's the time to serve. Now's the time to love. Now's the time to reach. Now's the time to go. Now, today is the day of salvation. Today, you need to give your life to Jesus. Today. Today. Don't, oh, I'm just praying about it, thinking about it. Oh, look, I, I'm not sure. I'm still a bit of a free thinker. Free thinking is one of the most expensive courses I've ever seen. It's not free. Nothing free about thinking. But there's something very priceless about responding see the rich man kept putting it off and all of a sudden it was too late he wants help and and Abraham says we can't it's fixed it's fixed I, I don't know what it is that you're procrastinating in that maybe God wants to awaken you in today and it's not so that you go and do something impulsive it's so that you do something responsive and go God I, I just need to break out of this okay okay yes pastor I get the point how do I reverse the effect? Is there like a certain thing you can give me to snap me out of this? Yeah, uh, here's some simple thoughts. Here's how we reverse the effect of the drug of comfort. Number one, give up some. You want to get rid of the drug of comfort? Just give up some comforts. Because I don't know about you, there's a time and a place for comfort. Ask Lazarus, he's still in there. And, and I don't, I'm not here to add weight and heaviness and stress. I'm not here to talk you out of your standard of living. I'm not here about any of that. But you know, that's what, that's what fasting is. We're going on this 10-day of prayer and fasting starting this Tuesday. But what is fasting? But giving up some comfort 
it's not legalism, it's not works. You're not saved because you fast. But your, but your level of favor, fruitfulness, productivity, grace, there's something connected to it. Now, I gotta be honest with you, my fasting record is not that great. I've done so, I've started so many fasts. In fact, I've got an anointing for fasting. I can finish seven day fast in like eight hours. It's a lot easier to fast in Australia. Singapore, Malaysia is very hard to fast. And we say fast, fast, faster, 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 faster. That's not the kind of fast that we're talking about. This is the kind of stuff that you actually say, God, I want to learn to surrender comfort. Even a little bit. I don't know what that looks like. How much longer do you stand and worship? Oh, why do you sing so many songs so many times? Just give up some comfort and stand. I mean, if you can't sit, but the amount of times we are just so influenced and affected. Why is the service going too long? Hey, hurry up, get this one. Like, we've just, you don't even realize we've settled into this thing. And it's not alcohol, it's not heroin, it's not some evil drug. But we're breathing it. You blink and this thing will be gone. That's why I'm so grateful to all our carriers. They give up comforts every week to come early, to stand, to serve, to shake hands, to set up things, to organize, to, to give. They're just so grateful. So can we at least thank our carriers today? Thank you guys for giving up comfort. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And sometimes I think to myself, are we fighting ourselves? by trying to make church so comfortable and then complaining they're comfortable. What do you think so comfortable? Hey, don't be so comfortable. You know, this miracle offering dinner, what a great opportunity. Tomorrow night, I think in KL, we've got about almost 400 people coming. Come, come along. Oh, I don't know. Just come, just come. Singapore, I think it's this Saturday. KK, I think it's this Saturday. But it's a great opportunity. But there's something about giving up comfort. And you know, I want you to think prayerfully and pray. It's two weeks to go. Father, what is it that we can sacrifice? What is it that we want to surrender? Jemima and I often, every year, we're like, okay, what do we need to do? Let's, let's sacrifice more than we did last year. And that mindset is not a competition. It's not an orphan thing. It's not a performance thing. Different seasons, I get it. But I just don't want the effect. You know, when, you, when we first started the church, I came, I used to wear a jacket like this. I'd wear a t-shirt underneath because we had to do all the setup and pack down. So I'd be here early and then after service, take off my jacket and t-shirt. It exciting, amazing. But then teams grew, church grew. But you go to some of the newer cities, still just the pastor there. And it just reminds you and you go, as things have grown, as God has brought more people, as a... It's so easy to just breathe in. Now, trust me, our lives aren't that super comfortable. I'm just letting you know, it is not hard to breathe in the drug of comfort. So the choice you and I have to make daily is, God, what do I need to sacrifice? What do I need to do? In, in, in every area, you can get comfortable in your relationships. You can get comfortable in your career. You can get comfortable in every circumstance that you're in. And the minute it's comfortable, it's starting to decay. Yeah, so there, so there, there's, everyone say, give up some. 
give up some. Okay, here's the second thing. Live with eternity in mind. If you're going to counteract the drug of comfort, we've got to learn to live with eternity in mind. Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. It's like this peace of eternity, this peace of forever. And so much of what Jesus talked about, he talked about heaven. He told the rich young ruler, I'll give you treasures in heaven, the rich young ruler said, because he's not living with eternity in mind. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, thieves can break it and steal, but build up treasures in heaven. You know, what would it look like if we responded with eternity in mind? What would our worship look like if we worshiped every Sunday with eternity in mind? What would it look like if we loved one another with eternity in mind? Maybe we wouldn't hold on to some grudges. Maybe we'd let go of some fights. What would it look like if we prioritized our day with eternity in mind? What would it look like if we served with eternity in mind? What would, we, what would it look like if we gave with eternity in mind? You know, one of the things that I make sure I do, we have some of the best pastors, most committed, loving, Pastor Sean and Joe, Pastor Scott, Pastor Elaine, all these guys. Amazing, Pastor Paul. They're just great people. In all our cities, all our countries. And so I could quite easily go, oh no, but I make sure I try and go to a prison once a year, go to a hospital right when I can, go and visit. I, I like going to funerals. I mean, that sounds sick. But let me explain. I don't want anyone to die, but I, I, I put myself in that space because I wanted to magnetize my heart to eternity. You know, sometimes when someone dies, we sit there and go, oh man, wow, life is short. And it's like we have this awakening that comes out with the drug of comfort is broken for about a second. Maybe a week. Oh, man. Wow, that's crazy, man. Hey, man make sure you say you love, you love the people you love. Make sure you tell them. Life is short, man. Yeah, life is short. Hey, I love you, man. Yeah. Two weeks later, back to work. Everything fine. Back to the drug. Back to my drug. <sighs> but the day comes where that'll be broken forever. There was a young woman called Mary. She gave up comf comfort to carry a pregnancy that changed the world. You don't have to be that dramatic. This guy called Zacchaeus who decided to climb a tree just so he could have a better seat at the Jesus Parade. John 12, there's a woman who came with a bottle of perfume and she cracked it open and broke her own comfort for the sake of worship. This, hopefully, is not something that weighs on you the wrong way. I just don't want to be, I'd rather be woken up from the drug of comfort on this side of eternity than the other one. Because this is not just a parable, it's a prophecy. Matthew 25, the message version reads like this. Then the king will say to those on his right, enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation and here's why. 
I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. And those who sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? thirsty and give you a drink? When do we ever see you sick or in prison or come to you? The king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did these things to someone overlooked or ignored, whenever you did these things to the Lazarus at your gate, that was me. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats and say on his left, get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. Why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes sick and in prison and you never visited and those goats are going to say master what are you talking about when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help and he will say I'm telling you the solemn truth whenever you fail to do one of these things to someone being overlooked or ignored when you took your walk outside your gate Lazarus was on your left and you had a nice time and you failed to do it for me you failed to do it for me the goats will say will be herded to the eternal doom but sheep to their reward. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.